Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst-case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Mike Tyson earbite. Here's what you need to know. Ladies and gentlemen, it's is showtime the waiting is over the talking is done the rematch is here expect a tough clean fight protect yourself at all times for a sport that's had more than its share of bad moments the heavyweight championship on june 28th was perhaps an all-time low Known as the Bite Fight, this infamous moment in history took place between Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Most of us have heard of Mike Gerard Tyson, otherwise known as Iron Mike or Kid Dynamite, and occasionally, most likely his favorite, the baddest man on the planet. He's considered the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time and holds the record as the youngest boxer to ever win a heavyweight title at the age of 20. On September 7, 1996, during a post-fight press conference, after Tyson had defeated WBC champion Bruce Seldon earlier that evening, Don King announced a long-awaited five-year and one-day match between Mike Tyson and Evander The Real Deal Holyfield. With Holyfield returning to boxing after a brief year-long retirement in 1994, this match was the one to watch the two champions would duke it out for all the world to see. Appropriately billed as, finally, the fight would allow Tyson to defend the WBA heavyweight championship. On November 9, 1996, Tyson and Holyfield faced off in Nevada at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Holyfield, despite being a former champion, was the underdog of the match and Tyson was favored to win, but to the surprise of literally almost everyone, 
Holyfield won the match with an upset victory after 11 rounds. He became the second boxer to defeat Tyson after James Buster Douglas beat him in a first-round knockout six years earlier. Seven months later, Holyfield and Tyson faced each other again on June 28, 1997. Holyfield was defending his WBA heavyweight championship title from their earlier fight. The match was billed The Sound and the Fury, and this fight would go down in history as one of the most bizarre sporting events ever caught live on television. Though Mitchell Halpern was the original referee for the match, Mike Tyson's camp objected to the assignment because in his 1996 fight with Holyfield, Halpern ruled several of Holyfield's head clashes with Tyson as accidental. The Nevada State Commission didn't agree with removing Halpern, but he withdrew himself on his own accord days before the fight. This led to veteran Mills Lane becoming the officiating referee. Mills had worked with Tyson on six previous fights and seven featuring Holyfield, so he was considered a fair referee for the match. Holyfield won the first three rounds. However, during the second round, Tyson complained when Holyfield headbutted him, resulting in a large cut over his eye. As with his predecessor, Lane stated that the headbutts were unintentional and did not assign a penalty to Holyfield. It was during their heated third round, with 40 seconds remaining, while Holyfield held Tyson in a clinch, that Tyson got out of it and bit the top of Holyfield's right ear. He bit off a one-inch piece of cartilage and spat it out on the ring mat. The fight was temporarily halted as Holyfield bled profusely from the attack. Filled with what can only be described as rage, Tyson rushed Holyfield and shoved him into his corner. Lane successfully moved Tyson to a neutral corner and spoke to a visibly upset Holyfield. During this delay, as Lane was deciding what to do, he called Mark Ratner, chairman of Nevada's Athletic Commission, to the ring. Lane told Ratner that he was going to end the fight and disqualify Tyson. However, after speaking with a ringside physician, Edwin Flip Hamansky, who cleared Holyfield to fight, Lane allowed the match to continue. He deducted two points from Tyson from the bite, and the fight resumed. As the fight continued, another clinch occurred, and this time, Tyson bit Holyfield's left ear. But the boxers continued until the round expired. Lane discovered the second bite to the left ear after the round stopped, and he halted the match again. Tyson tried to attack Holyfield and his manager in their corner, causing Lane to finally disqualify Tyson for biting Holyfield. Lane later said in an interview that he felt Tyson's bites were intentional since he had told him to stop after the first. Fans caught wind that the fight was over only by watching Holyfield leave the ring. 20 minutes later, the match was called and announcer Jimmy Lennon Jr. read the decision. Ladies and gentlemen, this bout has been stopped at the end of round number three. The referee in charge, Mills Lane, disqualifies Mike Tyson for biting Evander Holyfield on both ears. The winner, by way of disqualification and still the WBA champion of the world, Evander the Real Deal Holyfield, leading Holyfield to retain the WBA heavyweight championship. Fun Facts, aka Death Stats. The Sound and the Fury match was originally scheduled for May 3, 1997, but was postponed until June 28 due to a cut Tyson suffered over his left eye when he butted heads with a sparring partner during training. The 1997 fight had 1.59 million pay-per-view buys. Tyson's head was injured during the fight due to headbutting, and he claimed this is why he bit Holyfield's ear. Commentators for the Sky Sports broadcast noted that no one had been disqualified in a title bout for more than 50 years, since 1941, with Joe Lewis versus Buddy Bear. Tyson was fined $3 million for biting Holyfield's ear, only 10% of his actual earnings at the time, which were $30 million. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And our very special guest today is boxing coach Keith McKay. Hi, Keith. Hey, how's it going? So, Keith, I mean, I, we're so excited to have you on this episode, um, especially because 
I don't know about you, Clayton, but I don't know anything about boxing. So this is going to be really helpful for all of us. Yes. I took a class once oh. years ago with our friend Billy, like at a gym, a boxing class. And I will say it was one of the most exhausting oh, like, yeah. workouts I've ever experienced. I was dead afterward. That's that's always the consensus. Everybody comes in all happy, and they leave like, man, that was so hard. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, don't want to do easy stuff all the time. Yeah. Keith, how long have you been boxing? Oh, goodness. Um, I first started boxing when I was, I was like in seventh or eighth grade. Oh, on the schoolyard? Yeah, just, you know, in the creek, (laughs) in the alleyways. In the creek? (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Hanging around the creek and boxing. But it was really, it was very casual back then. Um, Mm. I didn't start getting into it for real until I was more into high school. And then I started kickboxing after that. Um, And then when I was in college, I started doing MMA. Um, And then when I moved out to LA, started coaching kind of fell in love with that. Wow. It's so specific. Like I, I really appreciate that like niche. I mean, I guess there's big boxing matches, but like I don't meet a lot of boxers. It's not like I'm a lawyer, I'm a boxer. Mm-hmm. Like you're right. <laughs> hanging out with the wrong people, Clay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Keith, we'd like to start off the show by asking our guests, what is something that's recently alarming you? What's something that's keeping you up at night? Hmm. Something that's recently alarming me. That's an interesting question. That's keeping me up. At, well, I'll tell you what's keeping me up at night is my cat. Mm. That's got nothing to do with what's alarming, but she's just been <laughs> such a meaning face lately. Yeah, you. She's oh, staring she's, at me. She's off <laughs> She's right there. She doesn't want you to sleep. She doesn't. No, she wants all the attention all the time. So mm. that can be tough. But something that's alarming is i don't know i guess how everyone's still pretending like covid is just over oh interesting yeah yeah (laughs) it's a weird limbo yes it's 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 very recent you know at work for the first time we are still testing but we don't have to wear masks Mm. um, yeah anymore and it's interesting to see everyone's face because some people I oh, had not sure. met. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what your nose and lips look like. Yeah. <laughs> it really seems to be like location-based. Like, you know, you go mm-hmm. to your grocery store. Like, it seems like everything's normal. Then you go to a hospital right. or even like a, like a dentist. And they're like full mask. You have mm-hmm. to mask up. And you're like, right. Oh, right. yeah. The thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm trying to find a transition here. Uh, <laughs> and I just don't think there is one. But I do want to dive in to uh mike tyson and uh the ear bite absolutely perhaps if now, if um they had a mask on their ears for yes. this fight Jeez. Ear- that, was, that was cheesy but <laughs> you know we are wearing headphones if that if they if you fought with headphones um, yeah maybe well like wrestlers wrestlers have that headgear that covers yeah. specifically like the ears to limit cauliflower ear from impact and stuff so Oh, Maybe doing so that in boxing. That's what that's for. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Although you would expect that because in wrestling, like there's a much more like there's much more bodily contact. Whereas in boxing, like, and I mean, this is me speaking like a total ass. And Keith, please correct me. But you don't expect <laughs> there to be that much like other than like fist to face, right? Like, well, the I, I guess one part of the narrative of the story is going to be like the headbutt, and the headbutting I guess mm. is more common in wrestling because it's a little bit more like towards each other um mm-hmm. but headbutts happen. okay well that's exactly what i was going to put up on the board first the headbutt. Oh, <laughs> there we go and you know i guess with that goes mike tyson question mark um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh this is uh in a 2020 episode of talking to goats with jim gray gray said uh the legendary sportscaster spoke with mike tyson about the 1997 fight Quote, I bet him because I wanted to kill him. I was really mad about my head being bumped and everything. Tyson said, I really lost consciousness of the whole fight. It took me out of the fight plan and everything. Jim Gray has previously asked Tyson if he would ever commit such an egregious act again. Quote, I hope not, Tyson responded. I say, no, never again. 
but I might do it again. Well, if he does it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's not never. (laughs) Well, if he does what he was doing to get bitten, I would bite him again. Yeah. So he says no, but then he says yeah. He means yes. (laughs) He means yes. (laughs) Talk to me about this headbutting like this. Is this, you said it happens. Does that happen common in fights or is this like truly that kind of like a rare thing in this occurrence? Keith? Well, headbutts happen. <laughs> headbutts anytime two people are going towards each other. Sure. It's that headbutts are going to happen. Um, I think it was happening more in both both of the fights the the first time they fought and the second time they fought um just stylistically the way that both Mm. uh holyfield and tyson have a tendency to kind of lead with their head both tyson with his offense he leads in with his head to throw his strikes and holyfield would lead with his head to clinch to to stop the strikes he would try and hold on to tyson so he couldn't Mm. keep landing punches and when you like both lead in headbutts are bound to happen um again it's it it depends on the style of the boxer it depends on the style uh-huh. of the fight headbutts happen all the time just recently in, in mma um just last week uh bobby green got a, a a dq or it was a no contest i can't remember from a headbutt he just stepped in to throw an elbow and the other guy dipped and kind of went Oof. in at the same time Mm. giant clash of heads uh the opponent fell and i think it was a dq because then bobby jumped on top of him to hit him again because that's what you do in mma the guy falls you hit him again uh sorry keith what's a dq oh sorry that means disqualification dq okay sorry yeah yeah (laughs) talk to us like we're whittle whittle babies so yeah i was like direct qualifier if you hit somebody ahead you get dairy queen after the fight yeah. it's a big oh, deal nice. that's I what i went boxes. that's I where i went <laughs> yeah that's what got me involved i really like ice cream that's what Derek queen's about yeah you didn't know um <laughs> no yeah and it was it was uh afterwards it was a big deal because it was like if he had just hit him with the head and he had mm-hmm. fallen maybe the ref could have called it a no contest but because mm. he like followed up with strikes the headbutt like greatly affected the outcome. It was it was a whole big okay. thing, but it happens. It happens all the time. More now, or less Keith, I, I, I this is a, a very silly question, but the rules in boxing walk us through it. Nothing below the belt, right? Correct. Um, no low blows, but anything above is fair game. Uh, essentially, yes. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, like you said, anything that's like below the belt is off limits. You'll actually um, see, and this is kind of a, a side note, a lot of boxers will hike their shorts up pretty high oh. so that it lands kind of more on the belly button to give that illusion of like a higher waistline. Uh, is that so they can get like yeah is exactly that so they, <laughs> is there like a strategy to that like oh they hit below my waistline so I get, uh, essentially yeah if if the ref thinks that uh the a punch is going too low if it's going below that waistline the ref can take a point from a fighter or mm. pause the action Interesting. Um, now refs aren't always idiots uh, they they right. know where a fighter's waist is um Right. <laughs> but yes, essentially uh in boxing your only two weapons are your hands. Okay. Okay. Um there's and the also headbutting, lots of little rules around that too. The okay. headbutting is not like necessarily a, a penalty unless they like the ref thinks it's like intentionally like intentional, like as an accident. How do they deal so, with those? So now we're getting into it here. Um now yeah. we're <laughs> now we're kinda getting into it here. Um yes and no. When a ref takes a point away from a fighter. This is both mm-hmm. boxing and MMA. It's done most commonly when there's an illegal technique used that has an effect on the fight. Okay. Whether it's intentional or not, that's what it should be used for. Um, if someone is accidentally hit below the belt um, and they're fine, the fight should be able to continue there shouldn't be a point taken away if, if there's a clash of heads 
and both fighters are fine. The fight should be able to continue. Um, but if there's an illegal technique, whether it's intentional or not, it if it affects one of the fighters, okay, it should affect the scorecards. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So I'm assuming at this uh, for Mike Tyson, this was. Uh, almost like a uh, disrespect. Uh, felt like a, a moment of disrespect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would absolutely agree. I, I think he was frustrated. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think he was hurt because he got when when the clash of heads happened in the second round, I believe, mm-hmm. and opened mm-hmm. that very large cut on his head. Yes. Um, and the ref didn't take a point away which i kind of feel like he should again i'm not like an expert on boxing but the reason you have point system is to keep the fight fair and if a fighter is affected by something like that there should be a point even if it's unintentional i think there should be a point taken away i just want to say one thing it seems like maybe the crux of this for us and maybe i'm speaking for myself but is kind of this kind of speculation around whether or not we feel like the headbutting was accidental or strategic and, mm. and determining whether Mike Tyson felt like he was somehow disadvantaged or being robbed somehow, which led to obviously not like a proper thing, but the ear bite, right? It's like, seems like there's a lot of gray area in there for a debate among like boxing experts and fans. Yeah. I personally think um, <laughs> anyone who thinks that the headbutts were intentional are really big Mike Tyson fans. Okay. Uh, that's okay. a great way to put it. That's great. So that's I, I, my opinion. I want to put up uh, heat of the moment, which is kind of what we're circling around. There, there's speculation that Tyson's frustration stemmed from the fact that Holyfield dominated the opening rounds of the fight and may have come out on top had the fight gone the distance. Now, I have not watched mm. the entire fight. Um, it was enough to watch the ear bite for me. Right. <laughs> I have a hard, I, I have to say, I have a hard time watching boxing because it, you know, looks like it hurts and it, yeah. it probably does. It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, uh, I can see how tensions might escalate if you're hitting each other for pain. <laughs> yeah. I want to put up there too. Yeah. Along with hit of the moment is this, I mean, maybe it's controversial, but like maybe uh, Holyfield strategically using the headbutt. Okay. Is that controversial? No, I mean, everything's I mean, controversial. That's the whole point. My, I, as a Mike Tyson fan, Clayton, uh, I guess that's not controversial. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just trying to be totally neutral here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, in, in Mike's defense, we I think we should put that up, but we, I'm sure we can put yes. up some stuff in Evander Holyfield's defense too, right? Uh huh. Now, I, I feel like we should also put the uh, the referees up on the board. Of course. This is uh, Mills Lane and Flip Hamansky. Mm-hmm. Flip, great name. Um, upon <laughs> reviewing replays, referee Mills Lane uh, stated that the headbutts were unintentional and non-punishable. After the first bite, Lane separate the, separated the men, moved Tyson to a neutral corner, and went back to check on an enraged Holyfield. The fight would be delayed for the next few minutes as Lane decided on what to do. Meanwhile, ringside physician Flip Hamansky. Okay, sorry. So he was not the ref. He's the, the physician. Sorry. Uh, was performing his own check on the champion, and Lane decided to defer to him. Once Hamansky cleared Holyfield to continue the fight, Lane decided to allow the bout to continue, but not before pe- penalizing Tyson with a two-point deduction for the bite. So we have to remember that this is a two-bite. It's not one ear bite. This is a two-bite ordeal. There was the initial bite, which actually was the most... Uh, painful was the one that mm-hmm. uh, that took some a chunk cartilage. of his ear out, yeah. mm-hmm. like a, an inch of his oh. ear off. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's amazing that they were able to. I mean, talk about heat of the moment. The fact that he went on fighting after that is really crazy to me. I mean, what's yeah. 
supposed to do. The the, the doctor says he's okay. The ref says right. keep going. You can't stand there and say, mm, no, thanks. I'd rather right. just give, you know. Because like, then you're forfeiting, right? Because exactly. you lose your title. I mean, right. and in, that, in that realm, in that world of the championship, the belt being the end all be all, the thing that you're spending your entire life trying to achieve, Right. Yeah, you might put up with something like an ear bite. <laughs> it's uncommon, but you got to be ready mm-hmm. for something like Do that. Do we put like Pursuit of the Crown or something? Ooh, Ooh. I love that, Clayton. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does feel like at a certain point, because the stakes are so high, you kind of have to leave it. You know, a, a referee does have to step step in and say, you know, this is... This is not cool. <laughs> oh, right, like, <laughs> like do over. Like we're gonna yeah, stop yeah, it. Yeah. It's not a forfeit. Like someone's ear got bit off. We don't do that in this game. Or, oh, or, or maybe I we think, do. I think Mill should absolutely be on the board. I mean, I, I again, I'm not in his shoes. I hope to never be in that right. sort of situation mm-hmm. where it's on me to make that call. But you know, I, that's a good point too that you bring up, Keith, about just like the this like the pursuit of this like championship, yeah. what a huge game this was, how many people had paid and were in the crowd. And you have to think that that guy, that ref and the physician are not only operating like from like a logistical standpoint, you got to think that the, the weight of that weighs on them of like, are we really going to like stop this <laughs> yes. fight of fight all fights? I mean, and that's, I mean, that's always the the big thing, right? Is it's a business. Boxing's a business. Mm-hmm. MMA's a business. Kickboxing is a business. Football is a business. You know what I mean? All right. of these things um, in which these men, in which, the, in which these warriors are putting their bodies on the line for entertainment mm-hmm. is... Uh, it's a it's a business, and so when right. one person's job is to keep the fighters safe, and then the yes. other person's job is to tell that person if this fighter is okay to continue. So the doctor's opinion is yes, he is hurt, but it's not affecting his ability to fight. That's his professional opinion, and the ref is supposed to do with that information as he will. So I think the choice to like defer to the doctor almost is like he's trying to take himself out of right yes of course and it brings up the question who are you working for right because oh, the referee absolutely. is not working should not be working for either of the fighters um they are there to make sure that things are fair they're there to make sure that things are safe right mm-hmm. or at least to create the illusion that it's safe um but I, I, I'm with you. I, I totally hear. And, and I'm trying to find how much uh, Tyson made off of this match. But I want to say that it was in the it was in the, uh, you know, 20 million. It was, it was 30 Jeez. million dollars, 30, 30 million dollars for this for one purse, fight for the one yes. fight. So, you know what? This makes me think, Rebecca. Yeah. What? Capitalism. Oh, put it up. When Keith Absolutely. said business, <laughs> the, the business of it all is really it's what it's true. about. It's like, it's this is true. like the physical manis- manifestation of capitalism where oh, we're absolutely. just like making bucks on bodies. Oh, I have a, I have that, a feeling capitalism cool. finds itself on the board a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it does. You don't even know. <laughs> now, I, I want to kind of like take a step back and, and, and uh, consider a little bit of uh, Tyson's history. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is from Lancaster Online. On February 11th, 1990, Buster Douglas pulled off one of the biggest upsets in sports history. The biggest, in my opinion. Yes. Oh. Douglas, who was a huge underdog, knocked out Mike Tyson in the 10th round of the World Heavyweight Championship boxing match in Tokyo. Tyson, who was 37 to 0. Did I say that right? 37-0? 37 and 0. Yeah, 37, oh, 37 and, zero. and zero. Okay, great. <laughs> At the time, with 33 of those wins coming by knockout, had never even been knocked down in his career. Douglas dropped Tyson to the canvas with a flurry of punches on the 10th round, and Iron Mike was unable to get back to his feet before the 10 count ending the fight. Douglas himself had been knocked down by a right uppercut from Tyson in the eighth round of the bout, and, and Douglas got to his feet at the count of nine, and the round ended just after that. So hmm. 
five hours after the fight, this is me talking now. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hi, <laughs> hi, this is me. Um, so Tyson it, it comes out of the dressing room and 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 tells reporters that uh, he's he still believes that he's the heavyweight champion of the world, and he really believed that because during the eighth round when Tyson had knocked Douglas to the ground, his people claimed that he had been down for ten seconds, right? But and you will know this, Keith, but. In boxing, apparently, uh, ten, a 10 count doesn't mean 10 seconds. It just means 10 counts for, from the referee. So what? this meant, yes, so, it's crazy. So this meant that Mike Tyson was, no, was not the heavyweight champion because the, uh, the, 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 the count from the referee was too long. Yeah, and, and apparently this is something that happens when the stakes are high, when it's a good match. If a referee kind of wants to make it last a little longer, right? If people are watching, people are excited, it'll be like a one, a two. They're, they're just like extend it. Very dramatic. It's so oh gosh. Um, it comes yeah, just sorry. like if you get a slow counter <laughs> as a referee, you're right? in trouble. That's how you audition for the referee job. They're like, count to 10 for us. Until you're out. Well, what round are we in? Who's fighting? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. good What's question. Like, you got moment. the job. You got the job, Keith. Yes. Um, gosh. Uh, you know, the problem with fans of any sport, of any uh, fighter, is we're always going to speculate. We're always going to... Mm. Be on the side of the person we're rooting for um, mm. and finding something like that is easy is mm. being like well no 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 like he didn't lose he actually won uh-huh. and here's why uh, similar to uh, some of the political climate right now oh no he didn't lose he actually won and here's mm-hmm. why and mm-hmm. you can kind of just do and say whatever which is crazy. There's something that keeps me up at night. You can just say whatever you want. You just do whatever you want. You're, dis- you're discovering your anxieties as we talk. People That's are just funny. out there in real time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I feel like we should put this fight, this particular fight, yes, up on absolutely. the board: the Buster Douglas and the and the Tyson Mike Tyson fight. Uh, because I, I feel like that. First of all, it's the first time he's lost in a long time kind of gives him this chip on his shoulder then he goes on his he, he had apparently he had his mind he kind of overlooked his opponent in on this fight because he was mm. thinking about his next fight which was i believe uh evander holyfield and he did lose that that fight so so he was just like oh i'm not, this is i don't have to, i can phone this one in with this guy Douglas. that's what it felt that's what it felt like yeah I'm, I'm not sure if the Holyfield fight was scheduled at that time for the next fight. I, I, mm. Boxing is hard. It, it's uh, sometimes they're ahead of the curve and they have like f- fights planned out. Um, but the problem with doing something like that is sometimes you lose or give a less than interesting performance. And that leads to like plans being changed. So if that is the case, I'm not sure, but if that, is the case that is absolutely a problem now i do think he was overlooking uh buster douglas because i think everybody was overlooking buster douglas he was not supposed to win that fight uh it was just supposed to be another notch in the belt i also want to put up on the board uh perhaps mike tyson's unstable life Now, this is from Bleacher Report, and it's, here's a little history of background on, on uh, Mike Tyson. It was only two when his father abandoned him and his family. Lorna Smith Tyson then had to bear the responsibility of raising two sons and a daughter uh, on her own. Mike, T- Mike Tyson's mother died when he was 16, and his sister died in 1990 when she was only 24. The pain and suffering that Tyson had to endure due to the loss of family members clearly left a permanent mark upon his personality, and he admitted 
uh, as much when he said, quote, I never saw my mother happy with me and proud of me for doing something. She only knew me as being a wild kid running the streets, coming home with new clothes that she knew I didn't pay for. I never got a chance to talk to her or know about her. Professionally, it has now it has no effect, but it's crushing emotionally and personally. His early years were spent in in a high crime neighborhood where bone-crushing fights were a common occurrence. By the time he was 13, he had been arrested 38 times, and petty crime became an everyday occurrence in his life. During this time, he was enrolled at the Tryon School for Boys in Johnstown, New York, where he was discovered by the former boxer Bobby Stewart. Stewart trained him for a few months before introducing him to Cus D'Amato, mm-hmm. uh, the Cus man who... Customato, okay. Uh, the man who would launch Tyson into boxing greatness and become his legal guardian. The uh, later years of his life, however, mirror the difficulties that he faced in his childhood years. His marriage to Robin Givens went through a rocky period and ended in divorce. He then fired. Uh, I just side note: the Bleacher Report is maybe not stating all the right. I mean, it wasn't a rocky period. She she definitely alleged that he was physically abusive um, right. towards right, her. Right, okay, right, so right, it's not a right. rocky period. <laughs> okay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just to be clear here. Um, he then fired Kevin Rooney, the man who was known to be his, the real genius behind the Mike Tyson that the world knew and loved, and his defeat against Buster Douglas would become known as the fight that brought down one of the most loved names in boxing. I also mm. want not included in the this article is the fact that he is a um, convicted. He was convicted of rape, mm-hmm. um, so and he did serve time for that. So a lot going a lot. on mm-hmm. yeah. in his personal life. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, that from top to bottom, start to finish. That's yeah. And, and you bring that, I guess, all that's with you in the boxing ring. I guess you can't really how much of that. Yeah, you draw I, from for inspiration. I mean, I don't know how you hype yourself up when you're boxing someone, but I'm sure there's as much mental as there is physical. Yeah, I think someone, um, someone like Mike, and then people who have had harder upbringings, which I'm, I'm fortunate fortunate enough to not have had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for them, a, a lot of people that find themselves in the fight world um, tend to draw on the struggles they had when they were younger and the struggles they had growing up uh, to find inspiration in themselves hmm. um, to fight. Uh, going back a second, though, mm-hmm. Cuss being his legal guardian and boxing coach and, I believe, manager at the time, too, that mm. is a very interesting conflict of interest. So tell right. me more about this because I wanted to put up uh, – not just that, but but boxing promoter Don King, who was oh. literally his it, the same. Th- I mean, he wasn't his legal guardian now because he was an adult, but he was his manager and his promoter. Mm-hmm. So, and and at, during the time of the ear bite, so and and I, you know, uh, from what I've read, it was possible that he kind of took advantage of the chaos that was happening in Tyson's personal life Mm -hmm. and, and uh, really um, uh, kind of uh, usurped himself into, to this position. So why is this a, yeah. Why is this a conflict of interest? Well, the, the thing we were saying before, and I mean, it's capitalism. Uh, Anytime (laughs) you are searched, like seeking out your own benefit, um, from someone who trusts you, mm-hmm. you have a conflict of interest, especially right. when you have something as serious as the title of a uh, legal guardian. Like that's huge. Right. Now I'm not saying Cus uh, abused that title in his own way. I'm from interviews mm-hmm. and from stuff he seemed like he had a lot of uh, tyson's best interests at heart um don king definitely did not right. um you go to his wikipedia page and it's just like oh here's all of the lawsuits that he's been involved in and it's just mm-hmm. all of his mm-hmm. fighters suing him left and right uh for fraud litigation and 
mishandling of funds and just all sorts of. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you're encouraging someone to, you know, or that you are in someone's ear about whether or not they should take a fight. And you also know that if they take and win that fight, you stand to win or earn a ridiculous amount of money on commission or whatever it is. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a clear conflict of interest. Well, and that's, I mean, that's a manager's (laughs) job. I mean, that's a manager's job in any world, you know, in in boxing and acting in music, you know, it's their job to get you work so that they can work it's it's i i understand what you're saying in entertainment it's the complicated if a manager is also a producer or you know oh yeah you know Mm -hmm, so i i i I take that point now unfortunately we're running out of time is there anything you feel like we're missing that we need to put up on the board anything we're missing i mean you know what as long as we're here we can put toxic masculinity up on the board nice. yes keith yes i'm loving that <laughs> the whole the, the the part with him being angry about the headbutts and therefore retaliating in such an egregious fashion i mean what else could that be but feeling like he's owed that you know yeah i also want to put like along those lines like um fragility like a toxic fragility like, or maybe it's just like ego you know the like i love inf- fragility i feel like you're onto right? something <laughs> instead of just like you should start calling that that's good <laughs> yes. toxic fragility that's solid because like, like just being like a good sportsman fragility. yeah yeah male fragility which is a good term but like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. if these guys are two like fighters at the top of their game like you would hope that they had a lot of respect for how good the other one was and mm-hmm. when you lose you lose like a good sport with good sportsmanship but the right. fact that it's like the ego gets so wrapped up in it and like the the loss of a title or the, even the potential loss results in like ear biting it seems pretty um petty it's mm-hmm. yeah petty that's that's a good way to put it it <laughs> is petty it absolutely is mike tyson's pettiness we can put mm-hmm. that up on the board great okay got it so let's take a quick break and then we'll start knocking things off the board a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Okay, who's to blame for the Mike Tyson earbite? We have headbutting Mike Tyson, heat of the moment, strategic headbutting by Holyfield, referee Mills Lane and physician Flip Hamansky, pursuit of the crown, capitalism, Buster Douglas v. Mike Tyson upset, Tyson's unstable life, boxing promoter Don King, Customato, toxic masculinity, toxic fragility, and Mike Tyson's pettiness. Mm, what a good board, you what guys. What a board. Right? Love it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great board. I, I feel like there's a few things we can fold into each other. And first, I, I think we can k- take Customato off the board just because I feel like it's a little, uh, it predates, the ear yeah, sure. predates him by a while. Sure. He just got uh, an honorary mention, but I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like the heat of the moment could easily fold into toxic masculinity, right? I mean, I guess they're two different things because anyone can have the heat of the moment, right? Yeah, because heat of the moment is not necessarily a bad thing. Right, right. Um, but And it's not particular I, to a gender or, uh, you know. Or even a certain sport. Like, it could right. be anything. It's the moment. It's the um, moment. You get swept up in it, in a, in a, sometimes a good or bad way. So maybe it's just like, this just seems like there was more um, influencing the moment. Agree. <clears throat> the headbutting feels like if there hadn't, I wonder if there hadn't been a headbutt, would there be an ear bite? I like what Keith said earlier when you said, if you're a fan of Mike Tyson, you really, yeah. say, Keith, like then you really think it's the headbutting. Yeah. Like, it's like it really depends on what angle you're coming. I mean, from. I do, I do think the the headbutting, uh, in a way, led to the earbite. But again, I I don't think it was intentional headbutting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, but, and there was something deeper there. Yeah. Okay. And interesting too to hear you talk about it, Keith. It's like from a technical standpoint, like the way that they both fight their styles. That like that's perhaps why there was more headbutting than usual in this particular fight. I, I, I definitely think so. I think uh, Holyfield really did his homework before this fight, mm-hmm. and the right. game plan of like using long punches, and then anytime Tyson came in, instead of trying to engage in that closer range, he would clinch with him, forcing right. the ref to break them up and then reset from farther position i think was a very good game plan and i think headbutts just kind of yeah came along so then with I the guess territory the strategic headbutting would also have to come off the board yes holyfield comes off the board for right, sure right right yeah and personally i i don't believe that the headbutts were intentional as someone who has had, had who has been in a headbutting situation it sucks and i don't think anybody does it on purpose right right yeah now as much as I, you know, I brought it up, I, I wanted to talk about his life and his, un, you know, the instability in his life. I, I, I think at this point, there's a lot that he, it's more about Mike Tyson than it is about what happened mm-hmm. to him, I think, you know, and the, the choice he made at that moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we all have people... It sounds like there's a lot of people who in this realm who might have unstable backgrounds or lives. And it's like how I guess the you have the choice to like overcome it or not. Like not everyone's biting off people's ears and matches because they had a rough background, right? Yeah, yeah I guess that's I guess that's an interesting Yeah. I mean, because we can't remove his background from who he is. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but at the same time, yeah, like you said, and not everybody's out here biting ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is why we're talking about it's very uh, unique. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, ca- okay. Pursuit of the crown, capitalism. Um, toxic- Douglas V. Tyson. I feel right. like that, that can come off. That can come off. That 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 kind of set up his ego in a way. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's a, yeah. it's a different story. It's an important yeah. story, but yeah, I think it yeah. doesn't affect this quite as much. True. Now, Don King, he put him in that position. So we'll leave him up on the board. Uh, what can we do here with Mike Tyson's pettiness, the, the toxic fragility? And masculinity. Yeah, we should fold some of that into one of two of those into one of the others. Yeah, I feel like it all, it all kind of goes in together. 
Yes. And I feel like we can fold it into toxic masculinity. How about toxic? I, I, I think you pitched this, Keith. Fragile masculinity? Yeah, that, I like that. That folds okay. in beautifully. But so, yes. Yeah. The fragile. <laughs> I mean, that this is. We should call it. Yes. Maybe not we should. That, call, yeah. Not that all men are. <laughs> no, no. Yes, it's we are. Tyson's. Tyson's <laughs> fragile masculinity. But okay. I guess. I, I mean. It's something to be aware of, you guys. <laughs> I'm not it's saying true. you ha- you all have it. <laughs> it's no, I mean absolutely. I think, and I know we already kind of have the board, but uh, that idea of like when you build your entire persona on winning, right. and then all of a sudden you're not winning. Yeah, that does something to a person. Again, I mean we're seeing that happen right now with half of our nation. That mm-hmm. tired, it's uh, okay to lose. Personality is built around being a winner and not being a loser, yeah. and wow. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, Keith. Um, I, I feel like capitalism can fold into the promoter, Don King. Yes, yes, so absolutely. We're left with four, and this is when things get really tough because we're going to have to pick a slap and uh, a a perp. I think so, the yeah. next one I'm ready to get rid of is the okay. pursuit of the crown. Because if saying. anything, all that happened was it got him farther away from. It. And I think uh, he okay. knew yeah. that in the moment. I think in that moment, it wasn't important to him to get the title. It was important to him to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I feel like that folds into his fragile masculinity too. Mm-hmm. All of this Mm-hmm. That need to win. Yeah, so, I agree. So we're left with the, the referee and the physician, uh, Mills Lane, Flip Hamansky, promoter Don King, and Tyson, Mike Tyson, and his fragile masculinity. Here's, mm, here's where I'm at. Yeah, um, where's your head at? I am not a Don King fan, and I think anybody who is a real boxing fan, anybody who's a real fight fan, has conflicted views on Don King because Mm -hmm. boxing wouldn't be where it is today without him. Hmm. But at the same time, and and to, 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 you know, continue that train MMA, a sport that I am deeply in love with wouldn't be the same without someone like a Don King character, but he, gosh, he's just, he's not a good person. He has never really been a very good person, but, that said, I don't think he has much to do with this moment. I think it's important that he's on here because, you know, someone's got to take this. Someone's got to call him out. You know, what's going right. to be us? Because uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, no one else is. It. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think. But OK, he has much to do with the current situation. This moment. So. This I, I agree. So let's let's take Don. I mean, we see you're right. We see you. We know your contribution to this. Yes, right. It was not good. I I'm here's where I'm leaning towards. I think we send Mike Tyson's fragile masculinity to the alarmist jail, and we slap the referee and the physician. I absolutely agree. Okay, I'm How down. Do you, I'm down. With down it. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know they. They should have done better as as the the, the people in charge, the physician right. and the and the referee. But at the end of the day, like it was Tyson's choice to bite the ear. It's true. Absolutely. It was Tyson's choice. And the the first people in the line of command were the ref and the physician. Yeah. And right. they should have immediately Yeah. Like well, and if anything, the the ref and the ringside physician allowed the second bite to happen. Exactly. But mm-hmm. not we were- the first bite. <laughs> Yes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's interesting. So we're we are blaming uh, them for the second bite. <laughs> yes. So they go to jail for the second. Bite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So we'll, we'll we'll split these up. All right. So <laughs> they get okay, house. Here arrest. we go. <laughs> um, referee Mills Lane and physician Flip Hamansky, you're getting the big slap for the first ear bite. 
Mills Lane and Flip Pomansky. You're going to jail for the second year bite. Boom. Tyson's fragile masculinity. You're going to the alarmist jail for both your bites. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Get him out of (laughs) here. We did it. We did it. Keith, I mean, we couldn't have done this without you. Literally, I know very little about boxing. So we (laughs) absolutely appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you. Well, thank for you. I had a I had a really good time. Oh, great! <laughs> well, it was a it was a knockout. I, can I say? Oh uh, yeah, ooh, Clayton. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could take a screenshot of him jumping up and down in his chair, so proud of himself. himself. <laughs> now that's a Dairy Queen right there. That's a D. Oh, <laughs> nice. Good. We're all get ice cream. Everyone, go get ice cream. In the aftermath, the Nevada State Commission revoked Mike Tyson's boxing license on July 9, 1997, which was reinstated later in October 1998. He returned to the ring in January 1999 and went on to fight another eight times, winning on five occasions. Tyson retired from boxing in 2005 and Holyfield retired in 2014. Tyson and Holyfield officially made amends when they appeared together on The Oprah Winfrey Show in 2009. Since 2021, Tyson has run a cannabis line, Tyson 2.0, and in November of 2022, it was publicly announced that Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield would collaborate on a line of cannabis edibles called Holy Ears, a reference to Tyson's munch on Holyfield's ear during the 1997 match. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com. And follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early and editing by Maria Blasucci. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Crystal Dinsberg. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the deadly 2013 KISS nightclub fire. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.